0: Hello and welcome to Creepy Core and Folklore, the show about creatures, encounters, old tales, and myths. I'm your host, Iona Wayland, a dark fantasy author, mental health professional, and overall curious person. I want to join other spooky souls and hear about these unusual stories. Hello, spooky soul. I hope you're doing okay. Yesterday, at least in the US was Mother's Day. Um, And this is just one of those holidays that can bring up a lot for people. Um, I know for me, I kind of have some complicated feelings about it. Um, You know, it brings up those things for like that I think about for other people as well as myself, like just depending on what's going on, where there can be just a lot of background to it. And it's like a lot more than meets the eye. So like, do you have a mom? Are you close with her? Is she difficult to be around? Things like that. Like has she passed away and you're reminded at this time each year? Maybe you have a healthy and strong bond with her and it's hard to imagine giving back to someone who's already given you so much. Maybe you're celebrating a person who gave life to you. Maybe you're celebrating those who raised and supported you. And they might not necessarily be the same person. You might be able to celebrate a couple different people, but then there's like sadness with that too, because it's not like the quote traditional route and there's grief there. Maybe... You're a mother yourself, or maybe you can't physically be a mother. Maybe you've decided not to be a parent. Maybe you've lost a child. Maybe your animals are your baby or babies. Like, do you see how, like, complicated this can get? Like, it's, it gets really intense. And so you can see how complex this holiday is and some of the nuances of it and how tricky celebrating it can be. Um, so I really wanted this episode to kind of be a way to decompress from that holiday together. And you and I can look at Mother's Day through a folkloric lens. So I'm going to start off with a bit of recent American history, um, surrounding it and then get into the ancient background. And this will ultimately be a shorter episode because I've been doing the whole mermaid mermaids thing. Um, And part three is coming out next week. Um, And if you haven't listened to part one and part two yet, I think, I think you're really gonna like it. There was a lot more dark and twisty there than I originally realized. Um, But I think that this is like kind of a, a way I've been kind of doing a Weaving the two kind of things together, where I'll have a mermaid mermaids episode and then an unrelated one that's based on something else, so that we can really make that special episode forty like a really wonderful thing. And so I also don't inundate you with like three hours of mermaid discussion. But you're here listening to this, so I'm pretty sure you probably wouldn't have cared if I had done it that way. But this is our little decompression after yesterday's holiday. If you're a U.S. person. Um, And I know different countries celebrate Mother's Day in different ways and um, also on different dates. So this is just going to be like Americanized, I guess. But I thought the root of it is kind of interesting. So in the 19th century before the Civil War, Anne Reeves Jarvis of West Virginia wanted to like create Mother's Day work clubs. So it would teach the local women... To properly care for their children, and um, West Virginia, in case you didn't know, is the only state in the U.S. that is considered like all of it is considered Appalachia. So each state usually that uh, you base Appalachia off of where the Appalachian Mountains mountain range is, um, and I I live in Appalachia, um, but usually it's like a portion. So, um, like the Northern or Western regions or the Southern or Eastern regions are like considered Appalachia, but West Virginia, the entirety of it is Appalachia. And if you don't know the background behind it, there's, it's, it's a pretty impoverished area, I have to say, um, really great community at times, um, there's a sense of belonging and wholeness, but there's also a sense of like making do with what you've got because there, you kind of don't, you kind of don't got a lot. Um, And so knowing how to care for children, um, I think everyone could benefit from parenting classes or learning alternative ways or new perspective of ways to care for children. But it's possible that there was so much like, low class generational trauma that the proper care for children wasn't really known. And so Anne Reeves Jarvis wanted to make sure that she celebrated mothers and there was a place where they could come together and not be shamed, but also so that they learned how to properly like meal prep and change diapers and like make sure their reprimands weren't too difficult, like weren't too harsh and causing um, generational trauma and continuing that on. So I think that's a really powerful thing that she did in 1868, Jarvis organized Mother's Friendship Day. And this is where she gathered mothers with former Union and Confederate soldiers. So like the mothers of the Union and Confederate soldiers, and they brought all of them together to promote reconciliation between themselves and their sons, because it was, uh, and daughters too. Um, Usually, it was the sons primarily that were doing the um, fighting. Um, I think that that I have complicated feelings um, about the Civil War and the Union and the Confederate. And like there's still repercussions of Confederacy now. Um, And that's like a whole other topic. But I do, even though I don't know if this would necessarily work per se, I do like that her focus was on. Like it really, even though she didn't phrase it this way, like the way I'm perceiving it is like she's stopping generational trauma from continuing or trying to. In 1870, Julia Ward Howe um, made the Mother's Day proclamation. And this was where mothers unite and promote peace. And so it was called Mother's Peace Day. And I had never heard of this before. And it's celebrated every June 2nd. In the 1870s, Juliet Calhoun, um... Mary Towles Sassine and Frank Heurig wanted to focus on a Mother Day celebration of some sort, but I didn't find as much information about those three. It officially started in the 1900s by Anna Jarvis. So that she's the daughter of Anne Reeves Jarvis, the first woman I talked about um, with the uh, Mother's Day work clubs that taught about parenting. And just so you know, it was normal then, and in some cultures even now, to name daughters similarly or the same as their mothers. So that's why Anne had a daughter named Anna, I would presume. Um, but she wanted to commemorate her late mother um, and recognize all the sacrifices quote sacrifices mom make. So this is where I'm going to be annoying again. Um, I'm I'm I have a big reaction to the word sacrifice. Um, I know this is not what she meant, I'm presuming this is not what she meant, but I just like really need to take a second and talk about it. Um, I don't like when people are made to feel like they're indebted to someone who gave them life and when they have no control over being alive. So I think it's sweet when people recognize and reflect on how their bio mother and or maternal figure like puts them first or how much they love them. Um, And I also do think some folks need to Uh, be helped or prompted to reflect especially if they're little kids like oh you're look at how much your parent or your mom does or your maternal figure does or guardian like look how much she loves you and here's how she shows it um whether it's through actions or uh support or words like however it is that she does like like let's look at how much she loves you Um, But for me, I'm careful when it comes to using the word owing or indebtedness language. And I certainly don't think that should be the default statement of, look how much mothers do for you. Look at how much they sacrifice. One, I think it's reductive um, to all the incredible things mothers and maternal figures do to have it just be labeled as, quote, sacrifice all the time. Um, And two, there are shady people out there who take advantage and skirt criticism and accountability to hide behind the societal martyr version of them. So, okay, now I'm done. (laughs) I am going to go back to the article and of course I'll make sure I list that. Um, But that's just my, my, my gut reaction to indebtedness language when having that paired up with motherhood or parenthood or care for somebody else. Um, so Anna Jarvis wanted to commemorate her late mother to honor all mothers, especially because Anne Reeves Jarvis did so much for the mothering community. She was like a huge part of it. She, you know, really wanted to commemorate her mom and have her legacy be caring for mothers. Um, she also on top of that noted how there were double standards when celebrating men's achievements and virtually none for women. Um, especially if they like were homemakers or ran the household in some way on top of childcare, that's something that doesn't end. There's not like you don't clock in and clock out and then you can't like decompress or turn that off afterward. Like you're on all the time. And so I think that like her recognizing like how many achievements like, oh, so and so has been working here for. 10 years and he got promoted and gets more uh, accolades or titles or income, but someone who was able to help a little human uh, (laughs) exist and thrive and like explore for 10 years, there's no accolades for that. So um, even though, of course, like I personally have accolades for it, like I'm like, whoa, go mom. But it's not something that's celebrated often by society, especially then. So she wanted to make that Mother's Day celebration. John Warramaker financially backed Anna's celebration, and she held it in the Methodist Church in Grafton, West Virginia, as well as in John Warramaker's retail stores. And it was an absolute hit. Thousands celebrated. Um, it became an annual holiday in 1914 when Woodrow Wilson officially established the second Sunday of May as Mother's Day. And I love that it's carried on. Like, of course, there's like um, downfalls to it, too. Like, it's been very commercialized. It, The center of what we're celebrating needs to be focused on accordingly. And then, like, not just like buying gifts necessarily, but like doing something from the heart if you even want to celebrate. And then I already talked about some, just a portion of all the complex things that can pop up when celebrating Mother's Day, too. But that's a brief origin story in the U.S., um, but let's look at where it truly began. Originally, it was used to celebrate the Queen of Heaven or the ancient pagan mother goddess. Um, It was first recorded as a celebration in an ancient Greek festival dedicated to Rhea. Um, This is like, so Rhea, I know that like God's procreated differently, but this always (laughs) grosses me out. Um, because this can't be healthy. Um, but she's the wife and sister, you know, um, to Cronus and mother to Zeus, Poseidon and Hades. Um, and so that was the first recorded celebration. Obviously, these had gone on before then, but someone had put it down in history to mark that they celebrated the Queen of Heaven. In ancient Rome, there's a festival dedicated to Cybele and that Um, festival is called Ilaria or Hilaria. Um, I don't know how to pronounce that one. Um, But their mother goddess is Magna Mater. Um, And that's also where Alma Mater or Alma Mater comes from whenever talking about like universities. Um, And I don't know. In Roman or slash Italian, but Alma means spirit, so like mother spirit in um, uh, in Spanish, like Alma. But it's interesting that their mother goddess Cybele, like, is kind of like the Roman equivalent to Rhea or Rhea. But what you do is you make cakes for the queen of heaven and you pour drink offerings for all the gods so that they don't get jealous. Um, and it's celebrated typically around the spring equinox. So, you know, we haven't really moved that far from that kind of celebration. Um, and there are still like Ilaria is still celebrated today. There are statues in honor of her. The an example would be the Plaza de Cibeles in Spain. Um, and then. There's one at Columbia University, which is cool. I didn't know about that. There's a statue of Cybele in, uh, on the steps to the library on campus. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then an analogous way of celebrating mothers um, that was brought up in this article were was the Catholic Saint Mary. Um, And, you know, Mary, Jesus's mother and queen of heaven. So she's also considered queen of heaven. So it's really interesting that there's this common thread of like, not only like do we celebrate mortal mothers um, now, but the root of it has been always recognizing the mother and queen of heaven. So whatever comes up for you today, do whatever touches your heart. Maybe have some cake um, like the ancient Romans, or walk around outside to connect with Mother Nature. Um, That's a mother we can all connect with. Um, And this can be such a lovely and or tough holiday, and I hope it goes as smoothly as possible for you. Thanks for letting me blab at you about some um, celebrations and kind of decompress after the holiday and also uh, take a little break from mermaiding with me. Thank you for following me into the oceans and rivers and lakes. um, Because this has been quite a journey of information. And I like just really appreciate you listening. And I will talk to you next week with part three of three of Mermaid Mermaids, our super deep dive into merfolks. Thanks to all you spooky souls out there for listening to Creepycore and Folklore. Follow on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok if you're looking for more uncanny content. If you have your own tales to tell, you can email Folklore at gmail.com. If you liked this, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts, or tell a friend who might enjoy these stories to spread the word. If you're interested in dark fantasy, check out my Hollowverse series ashes is available now in paperback and ebook on amazon and audiobook on audible and the sequel is underway i'm iona wayland and i'll see you next time